This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Good evening. My name is Kieran Gillen. I'm the writer of Iron Man, Young Avengers, Uber, Free, and Phonogram Free, which will be coming out at a point in the future. You are listening to the Two Headed Nerd Comcast with Joe Patrick and Matt Bowne. Sort of break it, break it down like this. I demand your full attention. You will not have my full attention. We are back, suckers. Ooh, where am I? And welcome to episode 113 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, May 1st. My name is Matt Baum. That's at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not doing shots of tequila with Jake the Snake Roberst, <laughs> I write the Comic Speculator blog for WordPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at Joe Patrick 116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not texting my co-host to ask him why he's drinking tequila... Instead of covering Dark Horse panels like he said he would, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus, which you can find at goodpluscomic.com. I hope you would have done the same thing. This week on the show, you'll hear reviews of Adventures of Superman, number one, and ten grand, number one. After that, we'll launch an uncompromising war on the proletariat with help from some good old communist-era battle armor during the ludicrous speed round, and then we'll pry the secrets of next week's comics from the cold, dead fingers of our capitalist bourgeois slave masters when we visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. And finally, we'll recap what we learned at last week's C2E2 convention in Chicago. But before we get to all the rabble-rousing and revolution, let's take a moment to pay homage to the 99%, the workforce, and the unions that built this country while we dance around the Maypole. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. Joe Patrick just realized this is the Maypole show. I knew it the whole time. I was following right along. (laughs) In a move no one saw coming, AOL has shut down their popular comic news site, Comics Alliance, which sucks because I really liked it. Though, the existing content is still up as of this recording. AOL pulled the plug on Comics Alliance on Friday, April 26th, alongside several of their other music and video sites. Rumors began circulating last weekend when news from C2E2 and the Stumptown Comics Fest failed to make it to the site. The current incarnation of Comics Alliance, a three-time Eisner Award nominee, was launched in 2009 by then-editor-in-chief Laura Hudson before she passed the reins to the former Vertigo editor, Joe Hughes. Now, several important voices in comics journalism suddenly find themselves without a job. Joe... Do we have the money to hire these people? No. <laughs> We've got a couple hundred bucks from Camarilla Brilla. Yeah, we still got to find uh, some sponsors before we hire anybody <laughs> from Comics Alliance. Uh, th- uh, it's bad. It's bad news. It's real bad news. I mean, I don't mind going to Newsarama and Comic Book Resources, though I get t- kind of tired of them. I'm going to miss Best Art this week, or Best Art Ever this week. Yeah. Comics Alliance seemed to just... They didn't... Even though they were owned by AOL, which is which owns not Disney DC, yeah, Warner Brothers and DC and whatever, they they never really seemed to shy away from writing what they thought was important. No, they didn't count, and out it wasn't anybody. like corporately driven. And that I will miss. And they did a lot of fun stuff. It so, wasn't just you go to Newsarama eight times out of ten, and it's preview of this Marvel comic or DC comic, and that's all that or. A top ten list that nobody was actually thinking of. So you're you're just for the record, you're saying that CBR and Newsarama kowtow to their corporate masters. I didn't say that. Sir, it sure sounds like that's what you're insinuating. No, I'm saying that they <laughs> like we get that stuff too. Right, we just don't post it every time. Like that that preview material comes out, you might as well post it. Comics Alliance seem to be a little bit more thoughtful about their content. I sure. guess I would, and say. we try to post stuff that isn't posted elsewhere. Yeah, that's like a, one of the things that we try and do. That's right, and you know, so it's a real shame. And they had a lot of talented people working for them. I do think that they got a little preachy sometimes. There was a time or two that I thought that they were finding controversy where none really existed. Hey, that's what that's what writing the news is all about. Trust sure. me. Sure, <laughs> uh, you don't write the news. I do. Oh, please. <laughs> I make it controversial. Sure. Yes. Uh, but for the most part, Comics Alliance was a wonderful site, and it will really be missed. I hope these, like, I hope these guys find other writing gigs. But really, I don't think there's anything stopping them from just restarting Comics Alliance or something very similar right. somewhere else. Though they were getting paid for this, it so. wouldn't surprise me to see them popping back up in some other incarnation. Yep, absolutely. Hope those guys land on their feet. 
In Marvel movie news, a post on EW.com has reported that Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch may appear in Avengers 2, citing a mysterious source that confirms their presence in the script. Yeah, unless it's Latino Review, I don't trust it. (laughs) (laughs) This follows recent comments from Joss Whedon, in which the director said, quote, I've got these two characters, two of my favorite characters from the comic book, a brother-sister act. They're in the movie. It's totally Aurora and North Star and Aurora. (laughs) It seems that these characters, as mutants and the children of Magneto, should be included with the film rights to the X-Men franchise owned by Fox. But in a 2012 interview with... Hey, you guys! <laughs> what is that? Marvel Studio Sloth. From no, Goonies I mean, I got that. I mean, what the hell is Hey, You Guys? It's a website. Oh. Marvel Studios President Kevin Feig, Feige. 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 said, quote, They're, uh, it's a little complicated. If they want to use them in an X-Men movie, they could. And if we want to use them in an Avengers movie, we could. That's weird. They're unique, he says. <laughs> So, Matt, do you think Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch would make good additions to the big screen Avengers? I like Quicksilver. I don't love the Scarlet Witch, but I've learned to like her. I think one of the most interesting things about both these characters is that Magneto is their dad. Right. And I think that's the weird part. Yeah. They lose a lot of their magic if their father is not a supervillain. Well, but consider this. They didn't add the fact about Magneto being their dad until the 80s. And I would argue they weren't very impressive or interesting to read about until that was thrown in. Eh, well, Before can you then, say they were that, just side characters. Can you say that you read a lot of Quicksilver and Scarlet no, Witch material? I, I can't say that I can, but you have to admit that when they fleshed out their backstory, they did become a lot more interesting. Uh, for me, though, we're going to talk about this in the answer of the week, so I don't want to get too heavy into it. For me, Quicksilver is not as interesting as the Vision. If you want to put in the Vision in the Scarlet Witch, oh no, I'm I totally in. agree. So I'm now. I think the only reason to really put my point being the only reason to put these two characters in the movie is if you're going to introduce their supervillain dad that has direct ties to them. I, I mean, do not agree. I just don't need them there. Otherwise, I, I don't think that they'll touch on the parentage. If no, they, they won't. If they get them in. The they Avengers. won't. I'm saying that is. If you told me that was happening, that's my. That's the thing. That's what sells me on it. That's why I go, yeah, we got a movie here, buddy. Now, that's a script. Mm. If they're just two other characters, there's plenty of other Avengers I'd be fine seeing. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I do think it's very odd, the idea that both studios could use them. Yeah. Can you imagine With, what like, would happen if actors? Fox just decided, oh, yeah, well, we're going to use them in uh, X-Men First Class 3, so there. <laughs> and then you've got two movies with different versions of Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. Yeah. I Bizarre. But... We'll see what happens. And this was just a draft of the script, so it may not end up in the final product anyway. I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll. That's it for the big news this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where you can see Joe Patrick and I doing a little brother-sister act of our own as we reenact some of our favorite Donnie and Marie Osmond moments. I'll let you guess which one of us is Marie. <laughs> Let's just leave it there. Joe Patrick looks a lot better in makeup. Than Let's just leave it right there. Dress him right up. You're I'll pushing. Tell you what, pushing it. Each week, the honest and hardworking Joe Patrick posts the question of the week on our Facebook and Twitter, and we not only read your responses, but if you call us on Skype, our Skype name is Two Headed Nerd, all one word but no spaces, and leave us a message, we'll play them on the new Answer of the Week audio blog, instantly making you internet famous. And who could ask for more than that? That's call right. us suckers. You can only find this audio blog at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe Patrick, what did we ask these nerds this week? You playing footsie with me? No, scratching my. You leg. were. No, I was not. You were. You were rubbing up on my on my sneakers. This is Osmond's thing. It's got me going. Damn. Yeah. This week's question was: They used to do each other. You <laughs> know they did. <laughs> it was okay to just leave it implied. You don't have to spell it Remember out. Remember the Saturday Night Live where they would show up at like a Gumby's <laughs> Christmas special and start making out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this week's question was: I'm Gumby. Damn it. <laughs> what classic <laughs> Avengers would you like to see in Avengers Two? If you want to hear us making fun of your answers along with our own misinformed responses, go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and check out the unedited, not safe for wiffle balls answer of the week audio blog this Wednesday. 
It's review time on THN, where Joe and I review two of this week's new comics and decide whether or not they serve the good of the people or their heads should be separated from their shoulders. Joe Patrick, what'd you read this week? Not comfortable with all this communist imagery. This is well, that's more like French Revolution. Oh, okay, good. I don't, I don't think communists cut up a bunch of heads. They just shot people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My pick for this week was Adventures of Superman number one from DC Comics, written by Jeff Parker. You should have said not written by Orson Scott Card. <laughs> I'll, I'll get to that. Okay. You're stepping all over my my gig. Sorry. My pick for this week was Adventures of Superman number one from DC Comics, written by Jeff Parker, with art by Chris Somney, and colors by Matt Wilson. Here's your solicit. Don't miss the debut of this all-new digital first series starring the Man of Tomorrow, written and illustrated by some of comics' finest talents. Journey into Superman's past in a tale written by Ender's Game author Orson Scott Card. Whoops. And Aaron Johnson. Who? With art by Tom Strong's Chris Browse and Carl Story. Wait a minute. Plus, witness Superman's first encounter with the work of Lex Luthor, brought to you by Jeff Parker and Chris Somney. That's a little more like it. Well, as you can imagine, the Orson Scott card story has been shelved. Sorry, homophobes. Yeah, eat it, homophobos. (laughs) Homophobos. This first chapter is a short story written by Jeff Parker and Chris Somney, and I was really excited to see them tackle Superman, so it was really a drag when that controversy came up, and I'm glad it, it, it's it been sorted out, for the most part. Although it's pretty obvious they just shortened this issue and charged you a dollar for it. Well, This was the backup story. No, it's, it's like leg- in print, Legends of the Dark Knight is three stories, which is three chapters from the digital first. Right. The digital first chapters are always this short. Oh. And they're, they're, they're bite-sized. Okay. But we'll get to that later. From the moment Superman first appeared on the screen, I felt a rush of joy and familiarity like I had gone home. This was my Superman. It doesn't fit into continuity, but who cares? This is Superman as I remember him. The story isn't anything exceptionally exciting but it is well executed by jeff parker Uh, a junkie has suddenly developed telekinetic powers strong enough to give superman pause and the confused addict lashes out at the world around him with tragic results of course he is not really to blame he has been slipped some sort of weird super drug I'll let you guess where it came from. This, this happens to me every weekend. It happens to Matt every weekend. And Sunday, I'm like, baby, I'm sorry. It it's, wasn't it was, me. It was a super drug. <laughs> I don't mean to be dismissive of Parker's work. It is very short, so it's kind of hard to, to really pick it apart other than just I liked it. you know. However, in that time, he was able to make me forget about the past 19 months by delivering an iconic take on the Man of Steel that really resonated with me. The art by Chris Somney and Matt Wilson is, of course, phenomenal. Somney's panels are perfectly paced for the digital format, and Matt Wilson's colors make the images leap right off the screen. It was a a beautiful-looking story. I really loved it. The art looked a little less detailed than I'm used to from Somney, but it comes across as looking kind of similar to the animated style. Very much so. So it really works. Very much so. This is a short story, but it delivered a Superman that I want to read. I know that the series will vary with the creators that DC brings in, but at 99 cents, buying this first chapter was a no-brainer for me. I'm giving it a huge buy it. I'm with you. 99 cents does not bother me at all for a bite-sized story like this. And you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the Superman dailies. The old like newspapers, okay, Superman sure. comics. It was ninety nine cents. I mean, there's yeah. nothing to bitch about I mean, here. I can't. I was can't. it short? Sure. Was it fun? Yeah. You know. I mean, and Superman was there, and he wasn't wearing a fucking nano suit. So That's guess right. what? I liked it. Buy it, it. it. There's not a lot you can say about it because of its nature uh, of being an out of continuity story. There won't be a lot of character development. It's no. not going to build. It's bite size to something. It's a. It's just a bite sized chunk. That was really, really well crafted. Yeah, it was It fun. made me feel good to read, and I wish that all Superman stories were like this. Agreed. Check it out. Matt, what did you read this week? This week I read Ten Grand, written by J. Michael Straczynski with art by Ben Templesmith. Here's your solicit. Joe Fitzgerald was a mob enforcer until the day he met Lara, who convinced him to leave that world behind. Before quitting, Joe agreed to one last job. Go figure. Little realizing that the man he'd been sent to kill was deeply involved in demonology. He survived Joe's attempt and came after him, fatally wounding Joe and killing Laura. As he lay dying, an angelic force, who may or may not be what she appears, pointed out 
that where she is going, he can't follow. And where he's going, he wouldn't want her to follow. But if he will agree to work for them as a different kind of enforcer, they will bring him to life and keep on bringing him to life every time he's killed in a righteous cause. The reward for those five minutes of death, he will be with his Laura again. Would you endure an eternity of pain and death and dying over and over to be with the woman you love for just five minutes each time you died? Don't tell my wife, but I don't think I would. Most people might say no, but Joe Fitzgerald isn't most people. That's pretty much the entire story, by the way, in that solicit there. But what can I say? Joe's comics are back! Can't you just feel the excitement in the air? There's a tingle. There was a time when I loved JMS. I was young. He was an older man. He was smart. He was funny. He wrote Babylon 5. I admit it. He had me naked the minute he wrote issue number one of Rising Stars. JMS was sexy in the early 2000s, and every nerd wanted more of him. After the sudden and weird end of his Spider-Man run, let's just say our relationship wasn't so hot and heavy anymore. After we broke up, JMS went on to start project after project, but seemed to have problems finishing any of them. So now he's back and bringing Ben Templesmith along for the ride. Don't get me wrong, I love Templesmith's work on comics like 30 Days of Night, and his work here is even better. It's hard to describe his strange watercolor meets DMT style of art, but his washed out panels and incredible pacing are perfect for this kind of creepy supernatural story. There's one panel in particular where our main character, Joe, stumbles into the, onto a demonic ritual that just gave me chills. Really, really creepy-looking demon stuff. JMS's story is predictably excellent with well-thought-out dialogue that establishes Joe's character very quickly and leads us simply through a very short story with a gigantic premise. And that is hard to do. I've got to give him props for that. I hate that I love this, but I do. My ex-boyfriend is back, and he looks so good, and he's still funny and creepy and exciting. There's no way JMS will let me down this time, right, Joe? I know he's changed, and I'm giving him a buy-it, and there's no reason to worry about getting excited for this series, right, Joe? He's going to keep it going. (laughs) He's not just going to drop this one. It's safe to say buy it, right? Well, something to remember about the previous version of joe's comics is that the reason those books kind of fell off the face of the earth for a while is because top cow wasn't paying him right it wasn't because he flaked no i know that he had to he did what he had to do i understand that you know that doesn't speak to his dc work that he just walked off of or several of his marvel comics (laughs) that he also walked off of so why are we safe here i would also argue temple smith he can be really late too and it's not because you know he's lazy He's just very detail-oriented. Takes time. His art is not very detailed. <laughs> I think he puts a lot into the coloring and the washing. And oh, like no, I'm not saying it doesn't. Work. I'm not saying it doesn't take time. I that think was, the sketch. That was I think yeah. I think he sketches quickly, but I think everything else happens slow. Uh, I think that this is different because it's a creator-owned project that Straczynski is very passionate about. This isn't him working for Marvel. This isn't him working for DC. This is something he created. Right. And I maintain that the only reason his other creator-owned stuff ever faltered at all... It's because he wasn't getting paid. ...is because he was counting on a publisher, and they weren't taking care of him. They were stiffing him. Regardless, I loved this. They were giving him the stiff. I thought this was fun as hell. I like the premise a lot. I think the demons are scary. I really like the dialogue and the main character. This is a huge buy it for me, and I really want to read more of this stuff. And I got to say, reading the notes in the back where he talks about the other projects that are coming up and the people that he's working with. This sounds like the new Joe's comics is going to be a lot of fun, but if he's going to be running four or five books at a time, that worries me a little bit. Oh, Tom Mandrake. I love Tom Mandrake. I know. I'm afraid he could just walk at any time and go, eh, I'm getting paid more for a movie. <laughs> well, I mean, the books might be late, but that's the thing with creator-owned comics is they last as long as the creator is interested in putting them out. Hickman's stuff falters sometimes the secret will never finish probably not secret will never finish and we'll be lucky if we ever get the end of shield yeah and that's just the way it goes with creating our own stuff it's the price you pay i get it and i i just think this is a creator that's famous for not finishing a lot of stuff and it worries me to start something new but i did really like this very good i i mean they had me at at the premise i i was on board from this from the first moment i read about it uh, I think this was really good. The art was amazing. Yeah. And I'm I am on board for more. I'm giving it a buy it as well. 
So that's a double buy it for Adventures of Superman number one and a double buy it for 10 grand number one. Of course, we want to know what you digital first demonologists thought of these comics. So come into the pentagram where we swear you'll be protected and shout your opinions over at the comments section for this episode at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Frustrated at the failed policies of Washington to right this recession and create a fair playing field for Americans of all income levels, Matt and I have been forced to lead the working class in revolution against the corporate media-controlled war machine that is Washington with the aid of some Soviet steel. I'll be wearing the titanium man armor while Matt sports the crimson dynamo and call for every working man and woman to join us in revolution like lightning all while reviewing 10 comics during this week's Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! Jupiter's Legacy, number one from Image. This is a release from last week, but we didn't talk about it because we were at C2E2. Getting drunk. Getting drunk with Jake the Snake Robert. <laughs> this is the new joint from Frank Quietly and Mark Miller. It's about the, uh, the children of superheroes and how they are not living up to their parents' expectations. It was decent. Uh, the art was good, a little less detailed than I'm used to from Quietly. I don't really think a lot happened. Uh, like, I read it, and there was nothing huge, and there was certainly nothing outrageous. It was kind it. of an odd thing to get from Mark Miller. Huh. But I'm on board with the premise. Fair enough. Premise, the art is great. I'm giving it this one a buy it. Iron Man number nine from Marvel. Artist Dale Eaglesham joins writer Kieran Gillen to tell the secret history of Tony Stark, and of course, it guest stars the Guardians of the Galaxy. And Death's Head. This is a super fun story with awesome art. Go see Iron Man 3 and then buy this comic. I love the way Dale Eaglesham draws Death's Head. He's 30 feet tall. He's gigantic. It's, it's awesome. so great. Buy it. All-Star Western number 19 from DC. This is also from last week, and I had to talk about it because this is the issue where Booster Gold shows up in the Jonah Hex universe. Booster Gold is acting as sheriff of a small town, wearing that duster and a cowboy hat over his ridiculous Booster Gold costume. Of course. He wants, well, you know, he's trying to fit in. Instead of just taking off his costume and walking around like a normal guy. This is the same level of, of standard that I was come to expect from Palmiotti and Gray. I'm not as in love with the art by Moritat as I was in the old series with Jordi Bernay and those kind of guys, but it's good. The Booster Gold stuff is weird, and it comes out of nowhere, and I don't know where it's going. Huh. I, I can only give this a skim it. It was just a really bizarre read. Fair enough. But I am really compelled to find out what's what's going on. Black Bat, number one from Dynamite. It's hard not to see this as a weaker version of Dynamite's Spider comic. The character has weird bionic bat eyes, but is otherwise just like any other just of like the a bat. revived pulp and Golden Age characters that get a new series every month. The art... The artist here really likes Frank Avia's work, but can't quite recreate it. Uh, I can only give it a skim it. I just, I, I barely cared, but it wasn't poorly written. I think there's just a lot of this kind of stuff going on right now, yeah. and this didn't stand out And for me. too much of it from Dynamite. Yeah. Sesame Street number one from Ape Entertainment. I don't know what took the world yeah. so long to how give us Sesame Street How did they miss this? Like, I don't get it. I, like... We're talking like how long has Sesame Street been around? Fifty years? Something like that. Years? I was shocked. I looked it up and I was like, no, there's never been another Sesame Ever. Street comic. I don't, not one. No, we've had Muppet comics for decades. Yeah. Regardless, uh, this is from Ape Entertainment. I can't, you know, I, I this gets a qualified review for me because I'm an adult man with no children, You're a grown ass man. But it's really well done. It's it's right on par with what you come to expect from Sesame Street. If you are a young uh, a parent with young children or an uncle or a grandparent or whatever, you would be doing yourself a disservice by leaving this on the stands. This is getting a buy it from me. It's really really well done. There's even like a fun little one page like how to read comics to kids. Fun talking about like changing your voice with different characters and stuff. Yeah, pick this up if you are a parent. This is definitely a buy it. If you're a deadbeat dad like me, it's a leader. <laughs> sure. Suicide risk number one from Boom Studios. Mike Carey of Vertigo fame takes on superheroes in the story of a cop seeking revenge after his unit was killed during a superpowered bank robbery. So he buys drugs that will give him powers. Yeah. And it turns out maybe all the other power heroes and villains are taking drugs too. 
this is a good story with a really cool premise. I'm saying buy this. I like the art as well. Nice job. Boom. I think I'm on for this new series. Iron Man 258.1 from Marvel. This is a bizarre comic where we are inserting a an untold story that must be out of continuity into Iron Man stories from the 80s. Aren't they billing this as a sequel to the Armor Wars? This is some sort of sequel to the Armor Wars. David, David Michelinie and Bob Layton are back. Isn't it Michelin? Michelinie? Are you serious? Yeah. That's how that dude said it? Fairly certain. Not Michelin. That's Michelin is the tag company. I'm saying Michelin. Sure. Anyway. I, anyway. Yeah. Back on track. Quality radio. <laughs> this is just... This is beyond bizarre, and I don't know... Well, scratch that. I know who it's for. It's for guys like me who are nostalgic about old stories. But here's the thing about old stories. They don't always hold up. No. And while this is well done, it's it lacks a certain punch that I think I've come to expect with modern comics, and I couldn't help but feel that it was a little subpar compared to other things that I've been reading. Fair enough. So I'm giving it a skim it. If you're desperate... For, to capture that nostalgia, check it out. I got really loud for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Shadow Man Zero from Valiant. This was simply excellent. In art, in standalone storytelling, this is the story of the Shadow Man's nemesis. It was beautiful to look at. It was terrifying. This is a great Zero issue for a great series. If you pick this up, you will want to go and read all the rest of the Shadow Man's comics. Excellent job, Valiant. Buy this. Wonderful stuff. The movement, number one from DC. This is the first. My of question was, what in the f- is this? <laughs> uh, this is the first of two new series DC's putting out. The second uh, being Green Team, uh, Team Trillionaires, or whatever. They seem to be trying to capture the zeitgeist of the 99% movement. And I can't help but think that they're a little behind the curve. Uh, this is written by Gail Simone with art by Freddie Williams, who I really like. It is what it's really about is a group of superhumans that have essentially taken over this neighborhood and have forced out the corrupt um, law enforcement. Uh, the downside of that is that when things are legitimately bad and the law enforcement actually tries to do their job, the superhumans attack the cops instead of the problem. Whoops. So it, it's kind of interesting. I like Freddie Williams a lot. I, I don't really know how to put my finger on it. It's weird. I'm going to keep on with it. I think I'm giving it a buy it. That sounds like a skim it to me. But the thing is is that I liked it. Okay. So Fair enough. Mr. X Eviction, number one from Dark Horse. Dean Motter proves that he has still got it here with his story of Mr. X, an architect in a bizarre city with all kinds of strange buildings that not just affect people's psyche, but also make them kind of insane. Now, if you've never read Mr. X and you just picked this up, it's pretty impenetrable stuff. And he writes it very much with heavy pulp dialogue, but I like it. I'm an old fan of Mr. X. This was fun. It didn't feel any different. It was right on par with his other stuff. Buy it if you like Mr. X. You know what? You're right. The movement is a skin. Okay, there it is. Ha! Told you so! I just, I can't really recommend it in good times. That is your ludicrous speed round, and hernch is the sound made when Superman crushes a busted-up car, as seen in the pages, screens, panels, panels of panels. this week's Adventures of Superman number one. Now that the revolution has ended, and the rich have been eaten or beheaded, join us, won't you, in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Steel Grip Starkey and Hannibal King will be celebrating the freedom of the working class by drinking the blood of the tyrant king, Donald Trump, and then inhaling the fumes of his smoldering toupee. The acrid smoke mixed with the venom in his black blood will give us brief powers of foresight that will allow us to learn the secrets of next week's comics. Joe, what do you see your future self reading? I get Steel Grip Starkey, because his whole deal was that he was like a worker. Yeah, he was a steel-working man. But why Hannibal King? Because he's a vampire and we're drinking blood. But we're not drinking blood because we're vampires. We're drinking blood because we're celebrating the end of the revolution. drinking blood for magic reasons. Don't question it, okay? (laughs) It's rude to do this in front of the guests. (laughs) My pick for next week is 
Pin Music, number one, from Image Comics by Steve Niles and Tony Harris. You only pick this for Tony Harris, because I know you don't love Steve Niles. I do like Steve Niles. I just don't care about most of the things he writes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, does that make sense? I suppose. Here's your solicit. Shaw is a man on the run and lost in time. Fleeing ancient enemies, Shaw finds himself in Prohibition-era Chicago, surrounded by gangsters and demons alike, and caught between law enforcement and the local supernatural underground. Chin music is a tale of mysticism and violence, like nothing you've experienced before. This sounds right up my alley. That sounds like Supernatural gangster stuff. Sounds like fun. And yes, I do love Tony Harris. Yes, you do. And I'm eager to read a book by Tony Harris that makes one damn bit of sense. Fair enough. Unlike JSA, The Whistling Skull. Oh, that was really something. Matt, what's your pick for next week? Next week, I'm excited for X, number one from Dark Horse. This is written by Dwayne Swierzynski with art by Eric Wynn. Here's your solicit. The enigmatic vigilante X has shattered Arcadia's criminal triumvirate, the three pigs, and fixed his eye on an even tougher target. But... With the police department and the crime establishment teamed up against him, muckracking blogger Lee Ferguson may be X's only ally. Muckraking. 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 What'd I say? Muckracking. Whatever. The brutal story of Dark Horse's bloodiest hero begins anew. I admit, I was a big fan of the Dark Horse superheroes back in well, the day. Well, they're doing it again, baby. I'm so excited to have them back. <laughs> I really am. I'm hoping this can replace the hole in my heart where Wildstorm used to live. Mm. The THN trade of the week goes to Walt Disney's Donald Duck hardcover, volume one. This is written and drawn by the legendary Carl Barks. I admit I have never read any of the Barks Duck stuff, and I plan on reading this. Here's your solicit. Donald and his nephews face ghosts, Wild West villainy, and much more in a new collection with this volume. The complete Carl Barks Disney Library loops back to Barks' earlier days, collecting the entirety of Barks' astounding 1948 output. The title story, The Old Castle's Secret, is notable not just for being the first full-length 32-page adventure instigated by Scrooge McDuck in his second-ever appearance, mind you, but for featuring some of Bark's spookiest, luscious settings in Old Clan McDuck Castle of Dismal Downs. The other long story, the sheriff of Bullet Valley plunks Donald and his nephews in the Wild West with Donald as an overconfident deputy having to deal with some high-tech rustlers. This is supposed to be absolutely legendary stuff. Like I said, I've never read it, but plenty of people have thrown it at me, and I laughed at him and laughed at him. Not laughing anymore. I'm picking this one up. But you hate all ages comics. I. But this is legendary stuff, man. It's supposed to be really good. Whatever. Of course, we want to know what you are looking forward to next week. So be sure to tell us how your comrades overthrew the proletariat in your town and what you're excited for next week at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash two headed nerd. Normally at this time of the show, we would be thanking our sponsor for everything they do to help keep us on the air, but currently we don't have one. So if you are interested in sponsoring the Two-Headed Nerd, send us an email at twoheadednerd@gmail.com for all kinds of information on what you will get and that warm, fuzzy feeling it will make in your chest for sponsoring our show. And make sure and add sponsorship in the subject line. Even if you don't, we'll get the gist of it. Sure. <laughs> As you may have noticed, we didn't have a show last week. And, I assure you, it was for good reason. We packed up and headed to Chicago for the annual Comics and Entertainment Expo, also known as C2E2, where chaos ensued. So, now we're going to share with you guys what we learned, and a little bit of how THN likes to take in a convention. For me, Friday is for getting stuff signed, exploring the retail booths, finding my way through Artist Alley, really just marinating in the show figuring out where the utila kilts guy are <laughs> sizing up all the different kind of swords you can sure, buy you know i mean come on everything you want is there if your hands got tired of holding your ipad there was guys selling like velcro gloves that glue to the back of it it's all <laughs> oh, there i could have used those friday is really just primer for saturday which is the big day of any con and at chicago con the day they do all the major comic panels 
Joe and I spent all day Saturday in panels covering the news for you guys. You may have seen our award-winning coverage on THN.com. That's right. Joe, what did you feel were the biggest announcements made, and what did you take away from the panels? Let's start with DC and their new 52 panels. <laughs> I was there with you for this yeah, one. Yeah, you sure add. were. Uh, what I took away from the DC... The new 52 panel is that most of the people working at DC do not know what the creators at DC are doing. That was, there was an amazing moment when Bob Wayne turned to Aaron Cooter, who had been working on Green Lantern, the new Guardians, Lantern, new Guardians yeah. and looked at an image, an image popped up of some generic thing happening in Green Lantern, New Guardians that's happening next. And he went, Aaron, why don't you tell everybody what's going on here? And Aaron went, well... I'm off the book. I'm not on this book anymore. But if Tony Bettard would hear, he would tell you, it's awesome. Pick it up. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm actually working on Superman now. I don't know if you uh, heard that. And I mean, to be fair, just a bizarre moment. To be fair, the, the moderator of the panel was not an editor. It was some VP. It was Bob Wayne, VP of sales. Not, you know, somebody actually involved in the creation of the book. But. There was an impression from the DC panel that, ah, gosh, it just didn't have any excitement. None. Like, the crowd wasn't cheering. None. In fact, at one point, somebody asked whether or not Cyborg would get his own ongoing series, and Bob Harris tried to have an impromptu, like, clap to show your uh, your appreciation, like, poll of the crowd. And the crowd was not, like, ready. <laughs> it's like they weren't even listening. Yeah. And and so it was like, it was, crickets were chirping. Well, it it was, was just strange. The whole thing was strange. And they didn't give us any news that we didn't know already. And every creator, when they turned to him, said, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on? Every creator went, well, it's going to be uh, really cool. There's going to be some changes that... You see coming, and some that you might not have seen now, coming. Okay, now, I think that's a little unfair. <laughs> but they were just kind of reading from the you know, script. Kyle Higgins was there, writer of Nightwing. Kyle Higgins, I will say, did a good job. And Pete Tomasi was there, and Pete Tomasi always does a good job Pete talking Tomasi about his some, books. That's some good stuff but to Pete say. But Pete Tomasi used to be an editor, so he knows, you know, he kind of knows the game a little bit better. Um, I will say that they uh, the announcements that they made, one of which is that Kyle Higgins is taking over the writing duties of Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I don't read, quite frankly. I don't really care. Uh, but I just started watching Batman Beyond for the first time, so maybe I will read it. Eventually. Fair enough. Fair enough. Pete Tomasi talked a little bit about the current story arc uh, going in Batman and Robin, and that they've currently planned through the end of the arc, which is based on uh, the stages of grief. Right. And the acceptance issue is the Nightwing team-up issue. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, they have plans, but they couldn't talk about them. Or they don't have plans yet. <laughs> well, I, I can I can understand why they wouldn't talk about them, because we're only one issue in so far, and so there's four months to go before they even... Well, my point here, it. and I'm not trying to be a DC basher, this was not a fun panel. It, it was, was not a fun panel. It was boring. They did not tell us much. There was no big surprises. And that's, uh, you know, it, it's a disservice to the creators that were there, because they're there doing their best... And I know that Kyle Higgins and Pete Tomasi, uh, you know, wanted to be excited about their book. Yes. But the rest of the panel, other than Aaron Cooter, who else was there in the DC panel? I think there was other creators there. Bob Harris, Aaron Cooter, Pete Tomasi, Kyle Higgins, and there was one more. Well, Bobby Chase was there. And Bobby Chase didn't, didn't say, a word. say one word, not one word. Just sat there silently. Yeah. And so it just seemed dead in comparison to the other panels. And I'm not blaming any of those guys. What I'm blaming is perhaps the... Well, I think it's indicative of, yes, of how people are feeling DC. about DC at right. the moment. And even when they said, all right, we're going to go to a question and answer period. They're like, all right, we're going to do some Q&A now. And if anybody has some softball sweet happy questions they'd like to ask because i think they've been bombarded Did they really say yeah that? remember bob they wayne that. said that he was but like that was a joke i'm sure he was that's but a joke it's also coming from a place where he's probably tired of hearing people scream and yell at him well sure uh, i will say i was kind of disappointed this is my first comic convention in, in many years 
And so from following the con coverage on uh, news sites for all these major events, I was really expecting somebody to ask about Wally West, and nobody did. Yeah. I guess it should have been me. Let's move on to Marvel. We went to, you went to three different Marvel panels. Yes, I went to the, the first panel I went to on Saturday was the Age of Ultron panel. I also went to the Superior Spider-Man panel and the uh, Marvel Now slash Infinity panel. I joined you for the Superior Spider-Man panel. Yeah, you came in. Mm-hmm. Yep. By comparison, the Marvel panels were amazing. They packed the stage with creators that were passionate about what they were working on. They had nothing but good things to say. The crowd was pumped. They did a great job of... Uh, Marvel did a great job of engaging with the crowd you know and stirring them up it was just they were lively and fun and exciting and even though i bet if you look back marvel didn't actually make that many announcements no not really in fact i think they only made one major announcement on the of the con other than maybe creative changes here and there that we didn't already know about and that was the uh the x-men crossover that's coming up x-men a War of the Atom. What about the Spider-Man 2099? And the Spider-Man 2099. Yeah, that was pretty big. Spider-Man 29 is coming back, but that's been rumored for months. But now they've confirmed it. They have confirmed that's it. That's big news, man. But it was just, it was fun and vibrant, and it was a joy to sit through, and I really wish that, uh, you know, DC kind of took a page from Marvel's playbook. No kid, but you, we've been bitching about this for how long? When we it's talk true. about who won the con, who came out with the best news. Yeah, who won the con is a stupid question. I, but, but, it's, but it's a real question. It's not a real question. It's something that you make up to stir controversy. But Marvel won but the con. as I was sitting there, I thought to myself, Matt's going to ask me who won the con, and I will have to say it was Marvel. And another main reason, DC didn't even have a booth there. They DC had did no not have a booth. floor presence. That blew my mind. Enough about that. Enough about DC. It's we DC did not do a good job here at C2E2, and that's a shame. Marvel did do a great job, and that's awesome. I'm excited for War of the Atom. It's a time travel story where the future X-Men from like Days of Future Past come back to now. And so you've got three oh generations <laughs> of the X-Men. You've got the original X-Men, the current X-Men, and the future X-Men. Whoa. And I don't know what they're fighting against, but it's got great Art Adams covers, and he redesigned a bunch of the X-Men, and they look awesome. Like, Beast is half mutated and half normal. Like, he's furry beast, normal furry beast on one side, and like bananas monster beast on the other <laughs> bananas and uh you know deadpool looks cool Iceman is this huge hulking like ice monster really great stuff from art adams jason aaron is uh co-writing that with brian michael bendis that'll be fun that's all i can remember about it right now <laughs> okay but i'm excited for that uh spider-man 2099 coming back Come on. That'll be fun as I'm well. in the tank for Spider-Man and 2099. did a fantastic... Dan Slott was not at the con, but did a video message to everyone <laughs> at the con. Did. That was hilarious. It was. And then, later in that same panel, they actually got him on the phone. Oh, really? So he was he was technically there. Oh, that's fun. And, uh, you know, whenever somebody asked him about something uh, he couldn't answer, he pretended that his connection was going out. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> But uh, there were other panels as well. That's not to say that the big two dominated. Matt went to the Valiant panel. You yeah, had a ton of fun. Talk I went about to that a, a little bit. A couple of the smaller panels, starting with the Valiant panel, which uh, I, I wish I could have everybody's name is up there, but there was a lot of editors that were there. I did recognize Robert Venditti and Clayton Henry. Venditti and Henry both work on XO. And Clayton Henry draws uh, Archer and Armstrong. Oh, I'm sorry. And the, Harbinger Wars. Right. Robert Venditti writes XO. Robert Man Venditti writes XO Manor, and Clayton Henry is the artist of Harbinger Wars and Archer and Armstrong. And again, Valiant doesn't have a whole lot of books to talk about right now. They've only got about, what, six books out on the stands currently? Archer, XO. Bloodshot. Shadow Man, Bloodshot. Shadow Man. Harbinger, that's five. Harbinger and Harbinger Wars is going on, so we'll give them six. But they have some fun stuff coming up. They do. And that's another thing I'll add for this. They didn't have a bunch of big news to break. Their big news story was kind of spoiled by Bleeding Cool a few days before. 
the con where they were going to announce that the unity thing is going to happen. Yeah. They're redoing unity. And they were like, well, we can't really talk about it. And then one of the guys was like, everybody here reads bleeding cool. They know what we're talking about. And then they like pushed a button and unity came up on the screen. <laughs> and they're like, All right. It's unity. You're like, you got us, but it was fun. And they were excited about what they were doing. They're heavy into it. The fans that were there were heavy into it. They stayed and answered every question that anyone threw out at them. And it was just, it was great. And again, they didn't unveil anything huge, but they showed us a bunch of preview art. They went through the premises that they're working on. You can tell this is a tight-knit group of guys that are working very close together to make a cohesive universe, which is exactly what I pictured. And it was really reassuring to see them all on stage Mm -hmm. talking like that. I I also went to the IDW panel. And again... IDW puts out a lot of books, not a lot of stuff that I'm excited about, but they had a great panel. It was hosted by Chris Ryall, who I think smokes a lot of weed. (laughs) And then Phil Hester was there. Mike Costa showed up late. They all made fun of him. Andy Diggle was there. Menton 3 was there, and he was terrifying to look at. Menton 3. I could barely look in his eyes. Turns out he's the sweetest guy in the world. He started talking, and everybody was like, oh, (laughs) you're not scary. In my notes, I wrote Menton 3, who resembles the Black Pope of the Satanic Church. But, I mean, they talked about Star Trek. They dropped some bombs on us about how there's been Easter eggs in the regular Star Trek series that lead up to the movie. And those who've been reading the series will know what's going on in the movie earlier than people that just walk into it. They're like, I promise you that. And I guarantee right after they that they finished that panel, people ran out and went, oh, I got to find those Star Trek trade paperbacks. <laughs> I know I was like, oh, my God, I need to look at those again. But they talked about the X-Files. They talked about... The new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, City Fall. They talked about a bunch of stuff they got coming out. Uh, the Return of the Thunder Agents. Phil Hester, Phil Hester is going to be writing the Thunder Agents. I'm excited and for that. And he gushed, just gushed. I thought he was going to get teary-eyed while he was talking about yeah. it. And it was just great. It was a great panel. I'm going to tell you what. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again right now. I love Phil Hester. He's the sweetest guy in I the world. I love that, man. Sweetest guy in comics. But it was a great panel. And again, they didn't throw out a bunch of like new news that we didn't know but they gave us some insights of what they're doing it was fun they obviously get along they all know each other and they all know who's doing what on what book which is a good thing <laughs> and, and we we get all butthurt about dc because we love dc yeah, and, it's and i'm sorry we for love that. them so much and hopefully matt edit that's a little <laughs> edit that edit that segment a little bit so it doesn't sound so whiny but it was clear it was palpable that people are excited about you know idw people are excited about valiant yeah people are excited about marvel people are not excited about dc the boom panel as well the people that came to the boom panel they were they loved it they were thrilled to be there i mean the creators were thrilled that anyone was there yeah. it was great and you were supposed to go to the dark horse panel I was, but you got drunk with Jake the I Snake. I was drinking Robert. with professional wrestlers. Sorry. <laughs> but we had a ton of fun. We, I mean, if you can get to one of these large conventions, I highly, highly recommend you go. I would love to go to San Diego this year. I don't know if it's going to be possible. My wife and I might try and go to New York in October. I'm going to try and drag Joe Patrick with me, but I doubt he will. What, to New York? Forget it. But yeah, the cosplay, the booths, I mean, it's all there. There are a lot of butts hanging out, I'll tell you that. A lot of butts. And some of them didn't care how big those butts were. No, sir. (laughs) They hung them right out there. We uh, we had a great time wandering Artist Alley, talking to creators. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get as many interviews as we wanted, but we did get to meet a bunch of guys. We did. Schmooze a little bit, introduce ourselves, and maybe set up something for the future. And we've got so a sh- stay tuned for that. We've got a short interview that we did with Jeff Darrow talking about the return of Shaolin Cowboy. Awesome. Yeah, we might throw that up on the website for you guys to hear. We'll see. I mean, at the end of the day, we had a great time. Joe loved meeting all the listeners that showed up and successfully dodged me. Convention season is upon us here, guys. And if any organizers are listening... We are more than willing to be your guests of honor, your MCs, or your janitors, whatever. Providing you fly us out and set us up with proper room and board. That's right, because that shit is expensive. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the Mayday episode of THN. If two nerds raising their fists in anger to a flawed establishment built on the backs of the working man is your idea of a good time, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher, where, if you want to prove your THN love, you can leave us a star rating and a written review, or... Stitch your thumbs up and help us to connect with other potential listeners. Huge thanks once again to our donor, Camarillo Brillo. 
who enjoyed our con coverage so much, he sent us money for beer and pizza. I certainly hope this guy doesn't have a family that's starving. He has a family. <laughs> he must be taking good care of them. If you'd like to keep us in overalls and work boots, you can make your donation in any amount using our adorable little PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. It's the cutest and it just makes you feel good when you I push it. I just want to cuddle it. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed which is at twoheadednerd, our Skype handle, which is twoheadednerd with no space, with no spaces, and our email twoheadednerd at gmail.com where you can send us your love slash hate mail, you can leave us a voice message on our Skype, or you can ask us to review yourself published comic be it printed digital whatever we love receiving stuff from you guys and don't forget to check out all the new content from the THN love slaves at twoheadednerd.com including video game reviews from our brand new video game reviewer Wooly Toots aka Jared Savitas also our dungeon master who's going to be reviewing the latest in the Tomb Raider series and he's super excited about it there were a ton of little Tomb Raiders running around C2E2 by the way that's true and I got called out I was like hey look Hunger Games and this girl was like I'm Laura Croft it's like why do you have a bow and arrow she's like you haven't played the new game huh I went whoa <laughs> <laughs> pardon me little dork that's judgmental sir yeah, whatever cosplayers Ugh. <laughs> remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion and if you want to hear even more of your answers as well as our own be sure to check out the newly revamped twoheadednerd.com web exclusive not safe for Wampus Bob Wayne audio blog the new and improved answer of the week Next week, Ask a Nerd is back, so Skype us or email us your comic question with Ask a Nerd in the subject line or your comic trivia challenge for our very own comic know-it-all, Joe Patrick. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Chris Kelly, not my cousin, from Chris Cross, who died this week of a possible drug overdose. Word to you, Mac Daddy. And for the record, Joe Patrick had to school me on who was the Mac Daddy and who, in fact, was the Daddy Mac. That's right. Until next time. I'm totally crossed out. True believers. Remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two Redheaded Nerd signing off. We will see you guys at Free Comic Book Day. You can get the finger. The middle. What?